So today we are talking about love and loss. And uh, I'm joined here with my friend, Andrew, who has so graciously shared his time with us. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so on Sana Talks to People and Sometimes Herself, the topic that we have is love and loss. And I'm just going to begin with a disclosure here right off the bat that Andrew and I both are individuals who have gone through divorce. So um, a lot of what we talk about, we will talk about is going to be more, more than just divorce actually, but the, the key theme of uh, losing friendships or relationships. So we're going to try to delve into a little bit beyond the romantic relationship. To start us off then, everybody, we were talking about this earlier, Andrew, uh, everybody in life will go through loss, right? Everybody will experience loss, especially of a romantic nature. Um, and the older we get, maybe the more severe the, the impact of that loss will be. Um, but nobody really is excused from, from losing uh, people. Absolutely. And um, I think one of the biggest things as we talked about earlier is just being able to accept that and, and realize that in one way or another it's coming and not necessarily in a doom and gloom uh, negative sense, but just in preparation. Um, loss is a natural part of any kind of relationship. And um, it's okay to acknowledge it, and it's okay to feel it, and it's okay to share it with other people. Um, you don't want that hanging over your head the rest of your life, obviously, but you just want to be able to know that it is there, it is a possibility, and it is okay to, to deal with it. Mm -hmm. and, and I know it's uh, you talking about the inevitability of loss reminds me of just the other day I was talking to my friend Jeremy about Buddhist concepts and the first one is impermanence. So understanding that nothing is permanent, including our lives. And, and as you mentioned, to not look at it from a doom and gloom perspective or to see that, Oh, something's going to come to an end because that's the opposite of, uh, of the thing that we're trying to convey, which is essentially that everything is finite. Life is finite. And, to enjoy the moments, to really make the best of everything we have, we have to acknowledge that things are finite, that nothing's infinite, nothing's permanent. And once we acknowledge and surrender to that concept, we, it, would, it helps us to bring back to the now and to really enjoy something for what it is, as opposed to waiting for the time for it to be over. But uh, moving on, I mean, I know I shared immediately off the bat that both of us share divorce and I wanted to <laughs> delve into, you know, one of the, one of the big, I suppose it's a popular, you know, there's a name for it, right? There's a name for this union. Uh, it, it's celebrated, it's legal, legally binding. And, you know, uh, eventually if that comes to an end, people label you divorcee right well, yes I'm a divorcee it almost becomes an identity which by the way I hate I don't like that I resent the fact that when I do my taxes I have to submit the drop-down menu and <laughs> select divorced as my status I'm yeah. like I should be I should be single why why can I not be 
single? Why do I have yeah. to be divorced? Why can't you? I don't know. I mean, those You're are right. financial legal issues, which I, I think I know the answers to some of them, but but I think just as a person, I don't I don't like to be labeled labeled as divorced. And I know a lot of cultures look down upon the mere fact that someone has been divorced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you're right. It is uh, kind of a permanent thing, right? It's like you're walking around with a scarlet letter, basically. You've got a D on your forehead uh, for the rest of your life. Oh, my God, I'm divorced. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, that comes with a lot of negative connotations because I guess people will make up in their own mind why you're divorced. Mm -hmm. And um, unless you're willing to go out there and tell the world the reason for um, the marriage not working, um, you are going to run across people who see that big D on your forehead and uh, assume the worst. Assumptions. That's Assumptions. what really gets me. It's, it's a, I feel like the whole world, communication and relationships would be so much better if only we release our assumptions because it's, it's, it's a really idiotic thing to do, you know, to, uh, to assume and to, of, of something that we have no clue about. And I don't know, I don't think we can erase the, the <laughs> hundreds of years of cultural practices, unfortunately. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> but I, I know coming from, I don't identify it as my culture, it's my parents' culture. Divorce is highly frowned upon, highly frowned upon. So when I first, uh, <laughs> my first divorce, no, uh, when, my, when I got divorced, <laughs> um, I, um, I remember a time where my mother was so shocked and um, it took her a time to, and it comes from a place of love, so I'm not angry at her or anything, but I do re recall that she did not want to disclose to anybody. She wanted to say, no, no, don't tell. She made a clear point to say, no, don't, don't say that. And it took years for her to accept it and to finally move on and to now say, yeah, and now to speak of, of the marriage as its own thing and without any resentment. She still tears up um, when she talks about this, but, but I know it's, yeah, it's very culturally, how, how, do, how do you, I know you don't, I, my parents come from a South Asian culture. How about yourself? How is that taken in your family or? Well, that's a really good question. Um... You know, every family is going to be different, of course. It doesn't matter where they come from for the most part uh, because my parents uh, grew up, of course, in uh, the time when you did not get divorced. Uh, you <laughs> stuck with, yeah, <laughs> you stuck with it no matter what. And, uh, of course, as time has gone on, um, society has become more and more accustomed to seeing divorces where we have such a huge high divorce rate. It's, hard, it's impossible to deny uh, but again, with my parents, they didn't grow up in the era of quick divorces, easy divorces, common divorces. Um, at the same time, though, I mean, they were very supportive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I never really got a chance to share the full story with them until a few years afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, what had really happened with the marriage and why it fell apart and how I was feeling and what I was going through personally. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember that I never felt comfortable really fully talking to anybody about it, especially my parents, because they're my parents. And that's yeah. nothing against them. It's just I felt that there's 
this generational gap. Um, maybe they wouldn't fully get it because again, they do come from a time when you don't just get up and divorce. Um, but when I did get the chance to sit down with them in their home and I was talking to them about it, I was just fully amazed at how engaged they were. They weren't questioning me. They weren't saying, well, couldn't have this worked? Why didn't you try this? They were just listening to every word I said. And I was looking at their faces and I could just see that they weren't just engaged, but they were actually feeling what I was saying. Mm. And so there was great support there. There was great understanding. Um, and it, uh, it progressed as time went on. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, they were also very sad. They were very unhappy that it happened. And I don't mean in a mad way or a, were disappointed in any way, but they didn't want to see me hurt. And uh, they saw my ex and I as a really good couple. Um, we got along really well and everything. So, and uh, of course, that, that's their family too. You know, mm-hmm. she was their family, and their family was my parents' family. You know, that's how my parents are. They just welcome everybody in. So, it was a loss for me, but it was also a loss for them. Mm. so they got it that's that's wonderful to hear um i'm i'm happy that you had that support um conversely i didn't have that kind of support from my family um it's really wonderful to hear that you know when you did take the time to finally disclose it to them or at least explain the reasons that you felt heard um, that's such an important part of the process, uh, especially coming from your family, I think, right? You have expectations or you know these are the people that you grew up with that perhaps know, know you best. It may not always be the case, but know you to a certain degree as in they know your faults and they'll, they'll, they, they won't shy away from telling you what's wrong with you. Um, so <laughs> uh, I remember... For me, it was very difficult uh, to have that conversation with uh, my uh, family. The response that I got was, you know, you could have done this, you could have done that. And and also it was the language. So the, the language was, he left you. Even though it was a mutual conversation, it dissolved, we mutually parted. There was never a big fight. There was nothing. There was so much love and respect. And even when we parted and, you know, and we, my mother even, you know, saw, and I know she was sad too, as you mentioned, because she thought that she was losing a family member. Um, unfortunately, we weren't very close to, to his family. Um, but my mother still really adored him <laughs> and, and really, really liked him. And, uh, and so I didn't appreciate the fact that every time we talk about it, she'd be like, yeah, he left you because of this. And it was very hard and I had to really, really struggle with it. And I think I'm, to be honest, I'm just getting to accept it. I'm just accepting it and being okay with it. And that's thanks to the help and support of talking to people around me that have been through a similar process. You know, mm. it makes me realize that, hey, I'm not alone. Um, That's a really great point. Sorry, uh, when you say you're not alone, um, anytime we deal with loss in life, as we said at the beginning, uh, we can acknowledge it and we can know it's going to come at some point. But I think it's just as important, if not more so, to remember that we're not the only ones going through it. 
-hmm. We have all suffered loss. Every single one of us walking this planet, past, present, future, we've all suffered loss. We all get it. We all understand it. We all know what it's like. And we don't have to feel like we're alone and that we can't reach out to somebody and tell them our story and express our feelings. We don't always have to put on that brave face when we are dealing with loss and we are hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're in a world where we always have to have a, a sunny sh- sunshine face on. <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is, um, and I know we'll talk about this again. Um, <laughs> yeah, the happy obsessed it, it, culture. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we can show that side of us that's hurting and that comes with loss. And, you know, that's the best time to show it is because that's when we get the support and we understand yeah. and we don't have to go through it alone. Exactly. To be authentic, right? To be gen- to be unapologetic about the state that we're in and, and, and be authentic about it. And, and as you yeah. so eloquently put it, yeah. Um, I was married for five years. I'd known the person, I would say together eight years. So we'd been together for eight years. We were married for five and, um, it was, uh, I don't think that time, sometimes the time has an impact. I think, you know, sometimes people get divorced after two months. Um, I'm not bashing that side. I'm just saying there's different feelings involved. There's different, you know, when you are in a, in a dec- and, and also it doesn't have to be marriage, right? Uh, you could just be in a relationship. So you could be cohabitating. You could just have a relationship for a long time. So I just wanted to, if I sound like I'm excluding others or putting marriage at a pedestal, I'm not. I, I think the, the point is we're just both relating to the fact that we, are, we were quote unquote married, right? And, mm-hmm. and how that affected us. And, uh, and also I think the length of the relationship also determines sometimes how severe that loss is because, you know, you, you get, you get mm-hmm. to develop a relationship, right? It's, it's just like if I've known a friend for one year versus if I know a friend for 10 years and if that friend mm-hmm. for 10 years passes away, obviously I'm going to have more memories with them. Therefore, the, the pain of losing that person will, be, will seem a bit more, more dramatic or more drastic. Yeah, there is no right or wrong. Um, going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, if somebody divorces after two months, there's no right or wrong to this. Uh, mm-hmm. It really depends on the couple, the individual, and the circumstances. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't say, oh, you were wrong to divorce after two months because we don't know the situation and we don't know what they've tried and what's pr- what's causing this. Um, and you can divorce after 50 years and say, oh my God, how can you do that? It's been 50 years. Uh, again, there's no right or wrong to it. Mm-hmm. It's based on a couple in the situation. So there's no book on divorce. There's no yeah. Ten Commandments of divorce. Uh, so, you know, I think, yeah, I think we just need to kind of, you know, let the, let the couple deal with it on their own and they'll do what's best for them. They're adults. They can figure it out. Um, uh, and let's leave Hollywood out of this and their one week weddings. Uh, <laughs> we won't, <laughs> won't talk about that. That's a completely different world. <laughs> hey, um, completely different people, right? They're like a different species. I, I say for like, sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with my story, uh, my story is quite a long story. Uh, as uh, you know, I've, I've detailed to you in the past about how my ex and I uh, knew each other. And, um, so at any time, if I go too long, feel free to cut me off. <laughs> uh, but it is, you know, when, pe- we, when people heard our story, they would say, oh, my God, that's a Hollywood movie. Unfortunately, it didn't have the Hollywood ending. 
Mm. Um, but that's okay. It's part of life and you have to move on. Yeah. And when it came to the recovery from the divorce, I have one of the most obscure references you'll ever hear in terms of recovery. <laughs> um, but I'll try to make this very quickly, um, uh, a very quick story. Um, my ex and I were best friends as children um, to the point where we don't remember not knowing each other. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so that's how far back our friendship went. And, uh, you know, we grew up in a suburb of Toronto. Uh, we were out in the West Hill area of Scarborough, living on the same street. We were best buddies to the whole thing. And uh, then my family moved out West um, a few months before we turned eight. Uh, and a matter of fact, uh, she and I are, were born 12 days apart. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's a connection there. Yeah. Um, and, and we kept in touch. Um, you know, my family came back couple of times and visited and it was terrific uh and then we moved further west three and a half years after that and uh, my ex and i who was obviously not my ex at the time uh we kept in touch and you know we're going back to the stone age people where it was all letters <laughs> and long distance phone calls uh we didn't have the internet way back then so oh, no it sounds uh, everything... more romantic so it sounds just <laughs> way more romantic <laughs> yeah and and uh so yeah we, we wrote each other letters and then we lost touch when we were 16 and um okay uh here's the mushy side of andrew coming out i kept all of her letters throughout all those years Aww. uh and there were times I when i thought too. about contacting her reaching out but i was uh, i thought no nah, i can't do it i can't do it uh you know it's, it's, she stopped writing for a reason and i you know um and then when i was 30 i finally moved back to ontario i was moving i moved up to cornwall Mm -hmm. uh, which is about four and a half hours north of Toronto, for those of you who are not familiar with the local geography here. Um, and then I was talking to a friend of mine. This is when we did have internet. We were mm -hmm. talking online. She was in California and I was here. And she said, you know, I recently reconnected with a friend of mine from high school. I think you should do the same because I told her about my, my friend. And I said, nah, she goes, no, no, you really should. It works. I mean, I reconnected with my friend and it's been a wonderful experience. And so I thought about it and I thought about it. And I said, okay, why not? So I tried to find her in the phone book and online and everything. I couldn't find her. And I couldn't remember her parents' names because, of course, as I grew up, I knew them as Mr. and Mrs. So, <laughs> but I remembered her brother's name, her younger brother's name. And their last name is not common. Yeah. So that would help narrow it down. So I did find someone with his name mm -hmm. who was living in Markham, which is in the Toronto area. And I thought, that's got to be him. Yeah. So I wrote, a, I wrote a letter to him, explained who I was, gave my contact information. And I think this was the end of October back in uh, 2002. And uh, that December, I uh, hadn't heard anything back yet. So I kind of just let it go. Okay. Mm -hmm. I gave it a shot. And I went back west to spend Christmas with my, my family. Um, and I called back to my phone one night just to check my messages. And there were these five junk messages. And then the sixth one, I hear this voice. And she was calling me by my first name. Now, what I want to just kind of mention here is um, at that time, I started going by my middle name. Uh, I had gone through by my first name for most of my life. And then mm -hmm. I changed it to my middle name. So when this person addressed me on my answering machine by my first name, I thought, who the hell is this? Nobody calls me by that name anymore. And then when she said her name, my jaw dropped. It's like, oh my God. 
And That's a movie moment, right? <laughs> it is. And she left her phone number. She said, call me back. And of course, I look over the clock. It's like 1030 at night, West time, Pacific time. So it's like 1.30 in the morning out here. <laughs> I can't call her now. <laughs> so of course, I had to wait till the next night. And that was, you know, that was a long wait, you know, because yeah. I was anxious about the whole thing. So I did call her the next night. I got her answering machine or her voicemail. I left a message and she called back a few minutes later. And she said, I'm sorry, I was just on the other line. And we started talking a lot while I was out west. And during one of our conversations, she said, oh, yeah, you'll have to come down to Toronto and visit me sometime. And I just thought that was kind of one of those generic invitations. <laughs> uh, okay, well, you know, if she's true, maybe we're looking at the summer. You know, keep in mind, this is the end of December. Right. And she said, oh, okay, so she moves quick. You know? Sorry, sorry. So, um, you got cut off then. So she said, oh. she said, I have a week off? In three weeks, I have a week off. Okay, okay. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, that's quick. Yeah. And so next thing I know, I'm on a train three weeks later going down to Toronto. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we had a weekend together where we hung out and she showed me around Toronto. I hadn't been here since I was a kid. And um, I thought I made the worst impression. <laughs> uh, Monday morning, she dropped me off at the train station and she gave me this quick hug and she was gone. Like there was smoke coming from her, her heels. She was just <laughs> flying out of there. I thought, okay, I'll never see her again. And that was a long train ride home. Oh no. <laughs> and I got home, you know, and I settled and everything. I turned on my computer, checked my email, and there's this really nice email from her. Yeah. And she's saying what a great time she had. And she, you know, was uh, just really enjoyed being around me again. And, uh, you know, and she was hinting that, uh, you know, I kind of got her eye, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing we know, we started long distance dating. Wow. And that's, uh, that's not easy. No. And I found a job in Toronto a few months later and I moved down here and, um, you know, we eventually moved in together and got engaged and uh, we got married. Uh, we were married for eight years. We mm-hmm. separated around our eighth anniversary. Technically, we were actually married 10 years to the day because the divorce, the final divorce papers were signed by the court on what would have been our 10th anniversary. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah mine was so, also two years later, actually. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it would have been our 10th as well, actually. Is but, that right? <laughs> yeah, not married, but 10th in general because we were married for yeah. only five. But anyway, anyway, yeah. that's really fun, funny coincidence. It is, it is. So I won't go into the details about, you know, what happened that made our marriage fall apart. Um, but needless to say, I was uh, I was crushed. It wasn't a decision I wanted to make, but I knew I had to make. And um, I spent a long time lamenting it and uh, losing sleep and not living life and just really feeling hopeless and alone and um, regretting everything and thinking about her a lot. And um, I mean, a long time, a long, long time. And then here's where the obscure reference comes in. And again, I do apologize if I'm going too long. No, you're uh, fine. That's a really a good kid, story, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I, I just uh, wish I could be more detailed. Because <laughs> then you'd probably enjoy it that much more. Um, I'm going to go back to when I was a kid. I used to watch a TV show called Happy Days. Happy and, Days, okay. Uh, Happy Days. And uh, I, I, I believe you're not familiar with this because I remember when I told you about this reference originally years ago, you're kind of like, what the hell's happy days? <laughs> um, so for those of you who are in my age group, which is old, um, <laughs> Jurassic. Um, so specific. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Happy Days was a show in the late 70s, early 80s that focuses, folks, excuse me, on um, growing up in the 1950s, okay. mostly about some teenagers. And uh, the teenagers had this hangout called uh, Arnold's. And um, the second owner of Arnold's was this older Italian gentleman named Hal. And he used to like to hang out with the kids you know, mm-hmm. while he was there. But he would always talk about his long lost love, Rosa Coletti. Okay. <laughs> Almost every other episode, he'd bring her up at some point, you know, and, and he always lamented her. He's brokenhearted. Later in the series, in the last couple of years, I guess, they had an episode where Rosa Coletti was coming back to town and Al was over the moon. He was so excited. He thought, oh my God, my love has come back. I can build a life with her and everything. And, you know, she came and uh, he was so happy to see her. She was happy to see him and they had a wonderful time. And he started talking about making plans. And then she said, no, no, I just want to have some fun. You know, I'm not looking for long term. I just want to have a few nights together. Mm -hmm. And of course, this devastated him. And he said something that, for whatever reason, always stuck with me. From the very first time I saw that episode back in 1982, 83, whatever it was, right up through to that very moment that I was going through my divorce, he said, to her I deserve better than that mm. and that was just very powerful because it stuck with me and, and for whatever reason a couple of times over that course of 1982-83 up to my divorce over those years a couple of times that actually popped into my head randomly out of nowhere mm-hmm. and uh, I just kept thinking why am I thinking about this weird reference and even the way he said it I remembered and then after a few months of going through the heartache of separating with my ex, that popped into my head out of nowhere. The exact way he said it, the exact words he said, I deserve better. And it hit me. It really did. I don't want to sound like a cliche, but it really hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. I thought, I do deserve better than this. I mm. stopped living my life and I have devoted all this time to thinking about her when I was pretty sure she wasn't doing the same. Mm. And I thought, I'm giving her the power over me and the way I live my life. Right. And I'm, to, I'm gonna take control now. This is my life, I'm taking control. I'm not gonna let this get me anymore. Was that, was that got, after the separation? It was several months after the separation, yeah. Okay. When I devoted all this time to thinking about her and regretting everything, right. I just realized she's got the power over me right now because yeah. I'm giving her all my time in thinking about her. Mm. And like I said, I knew she wasn't doing the same for me. So then I came up with this quote, uh, or found this quote online, and that really made a big difference for me too. And maybe this is playing a little bit more of a hand than I want to in terms of what um, caused the breakup of our marriage. But the quote was, I don't feel sorry for me for what you did. I feel sorry for you because you were capable of doing it. Hmm. And that was very powerful for me because again, I was feeling sorry for myself and I realized I didn't do anything wrong here. Hmm. Why am I putting this all on me? And I started looking at more and more quotes and realizing that I'm okay. You know, and I do deserve better than this. And I didn't deserve to be treated that way. Mm-hmm. And 
through all of that, uh, I was able to get back on my feet. And at the same time, as luck would have it, I was feeling very uh, useless and I wasn't doing anybody any good. Um, I made a new friend through work who was going through a very hard time. And um, she leaned on me for support and I was able to help her through this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I felt useful again and I felt, I, I felt a value and I was living life again. I was making a difference. And that was a huge thing for me. So believe it or not, that turnaround came from that obscure reference from Happy Days <laughs> where, you know, the secondary player in the show in a, a late uh, series episode simply said, I deserve better than that. I really like that quote. I really do. I, I think it, it sums so many things up so beautifully because that, that statement there is putting the focus on you. How do you view yourself? What's your worth? And, mm-hmm. and from there, you decide what you deserve, right? Because whatever we think our worth is, is how we ultimately attract the kind of love we feel we deserve. This comes from reading a lot of self-help books. Self-help books on my end. <laughs> Eventually, you come to the realization of, of you know what? Uh, I need to change my look. I need to love myself more. And only if I love myself more will I realize that, hey, you know what? I, I deserve better. Uh, that comes from a place of pure self-love that not many of us fortunate unfortunately have because you know we grew up with all kinds of messed up in our lives and and whatever challenges and instant and traumas we face they leave us in in different conditions and and ultimately some people take the time to repair themselves and others get lost and um but the minute you we discover that that love for ourselves, it can have such a transformative effect. So that me, that statement really resonates because it's it's something that I I had a very hard time learning that self love, um, especially coming from a culture where you know a woman is her identity is dictated by her marriage. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was raised to believe that your other half will take care of these things. So growing up, I had a very restricted childhood, like very, my freedom was highly restricted. And, and I grew up with brothers. So I saw the, the other end, you know, of, of the game where they would get a lot of privileges and, and so forth. And basically favoritism and and my role was because I was a woman I wasn't allowed to do this and that because I had to wait till I got married to experience certain things certain freedoms very simple freedoms that I think everyone should should (laughs) everyone has a right to so it became very complicated because ultimately when I found uh, my ex uh, so I, I went to university uh, outside of my city. And that was my rebellion, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't take this restricted environment. I need to get away. Guess what? I'm going to apply outside. It's for education. My parents mm-hmm. want me to study. Uh, and if not, I want to study. And guess what? I also get my freedom. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a double whammy that <laughs> that eventually I had to fight for. And But I stuck, you know, um, I st- stood my ground and ended up going to university and I believe it was my third year and and this comes from now going back to love and loss I mentioned this briefly in my previous uh, previous conversation with Jeremy was I grew up with 
my friend, my cousin, who was my best friend, and we, our birthdays were also like days apart, and she was my age, and we wrote each other letters, like we were pen, because I traveled quite a lot, and she was in the same city all the time, and we, we were best friends, and, and sure, she had a terminal illness, and she came to Canada for treatment, and eventually passed away, uh, and this was just before our 19th birthday and wow. I remember I was so hung up on finishing I was a good student so my my marks everything was great like I focused so hard on my exams and I was in denial I didn't I remember my mother saying you better visit her she's gonna pass away and I remember yelling at her uh, when I was sitting studying in my room saying don't say things like that and I, I can't like I was in so much denial uh, eventually she got mad at me because I was focusing on my exam so much. And, um, and when I went to visit her, she was on morphine and she could barely speak. And she basically, her last words to me were like four sentences, four questions. She said, did you get into university? I said, yes. Are your exams done? Yes. So you're gonna leave town for the summer? Yes. And I think she says something like, I'm happy for you. Um, but I know she was mad at me because I know she stopped talking to me that she, because I wouldn't visit her. And of course I was in denial and eventually I never got to speak to her after. Those were her four questions that she asked me because she knew how preoccupied I was with getting to school and doing well on my exams. And um, eventually like, then she she just passed away and, and I was so shocked and hurt and this is the first time in my life this was my life lessons about how people matter and life is finite and I was here trying to so hard get into university and dedicate my time that I, I forgot I didn't realize my my sister so the only female friend that I had or a family member who was dying and I refused to spend time with her and it shook me so badly that when I went to university eventually I just stopped caring about my studies uh, I think what I should have done was taken a year off but I was so hell-bent on leaving my household because my environment was not uh, very I didn't feel supported and safe because I was going through other issues and I had to I've placed such a high value on people. What I wanted to say was it took the first few years were the, the toughest. In fact, my whole undergrad year was really tough because I felt like I never should have gone um, to university at that time. And, and, you know, my grades weren't that good. Even though I understood the material, I knew I just did not care. And sometimes I would even flunk exams for the sake of proving the stupid point to myself of how much I didn't care. It was really weird, very interesting. Anyway, that's, that's a different story. My third year, I finally meet this person. And uh, he, and, and again, growing up, not having these freedoms, not ever having, you know, partners or anything, or, or exploring relationships to that, to that effect, I, I was just smitten by the fact that somebody liked me. <laughs> and, uh, somebody liked me enough, and I had my freedom. So I had two things. <laughs> <laughs> two things working for me and I was like whoa this is incredible 
because I was I was too scared and I think people did like me in the past and I was just too scared to do anything to even I would freeze I would I would be frozen and I never I don't think anyone could ever understand just growing up in my environment that I, I wasn't used to it I didn't know what to do I wasn't I didn't have the social skills that most people take for granted when they grow up with freedom and freedom to make relationships to make mistakes to have a decent uh, environment and finally as I'm in this point where I think I felt happy with myself I was coming from a place of self-love and and feeling determined and feeling good about myself and I feel like I attracted that right and then that's where this person just popped in my life and it was really odd because I was actually listening to this Bollywood this Hindi song from a movie which basically talks about a guy just he's so happy and he's like talking to about destiny like shaping his way because he feels so good about himself and i remember very vividly that morning i was singing that song in my room just being happy with myself and and that same day i meet this person and he told me my ex that he he fell in love he it was love at first sight for him which i don't really believe <laughs> but he really liked me he really liked me he liked how nice and genuine i was and he said something about it instantly attracted him and and lo and behold, you know, um, I was like again smitten. What? Someone likes me? Woo! Um, and and eventually decided to give it a go. And we dated for three years. And for us, it was a bit complicated. There were some family troubles again with culture. Now um, we were dating, and I didn't want to cohabitate. And I also thought that I wanted to meet a. I wanted our families to get to know together and, and it was really hard for him to move past that. So I felt like I forced it. And the minute we started part of like my, the part of me that was trying to appease religious cultural values took away from the relationship because I basically gave an ultimatum and I said, I didn't want to cohabitate. I wanted to be married and I moved on and found an apartment <laughs> and got a job when I, graduated and came back and so eventually and he dragged his feet and I should have been like I don't know red flag number I don't know 10 because I, I had a series of red flags but of course I didn't know any better um, and even my mother I remember she was she was just saying what are you doing what are you doing with your life this person yeah. does not I don't think they know what they're doing and and I mean, again, bless her heart, she was coming from a place of love and she was right. But I was just saying like, no way, I'm staying at home. And this is another, uh, well, that's another topic, like parent, you know, upbringing and whatever. But I, again, stood my ground. I was stubborn and I, uh, we ended up marrying at, we went to a mosque, I remember, and we were both from different denominations. And his parents, his family didn't like me they were really mean to me, hurt me quite a bit on very, very deeply. And what hurt even more that he never stood up for me. Mm. And this is how, again, I didn't think I was in a self-love phase because anyone in that position would say, boom, that line that Andrea brought up, I deserve better. But I didn't think that because I was all hung up on, I found someone I can grow up with, I found someone I can have the freedom with to just live my life, so I'm gonna hold on to this person. And uh, so I remember we went to a mosque and I had track pants on <laughs> and he was dressed up. I remember I asked him the day before, so should I, should I dress up 
And he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's okay. And I showed up with like a hoodie and track pants, <laughs> which were AKA my normal outfit at the time. Yeah. And he was dressed up and I felt so weird. And I remember walking down the mosque and people looking at us and I'm thinking, oh God, they're probably thinking I'm pregnant. <laughs> That's why I'm getting <laughs> married. <laughs> I remember this <laughs> I go through my head. <laughs> And I, I remember reaching out to a few people and one of them actually just said, oh, you're from different denominations. I don't, I don't want people saying something. And I just immediately cut out this friend from my life because I couldn't take that pain. And I thought, wow. Um, and it was, so we, we got uh, married by the book and my family asked their family, do you guys want to have dinner? And they're like, no, we got another commitment. <laughs> so... <laughs> And wow. my brothers were very angry and my father wasn't there. And so here I am, you know, my brother's thinking that I'm, I'm crazy. And so I had no support. My mother, bless her heart again, put on a brave face regardless of how she felt and showed up. She's the only one that put on a face, like a, a, a brave face and still wanted to support me. But anyway, all these signs were there and we finally, you know, we got married, we signed the deal. Um, and I also even made him, I think, to appease my brothers who were like, again, this was a, this power play again, happening with, well, of control. Well, I want to know who's marrying my sister. And I'm thinking, well, that happens if you care about your sister, if you had a good relationship. Because uh, I felt like a, a bit of a stranger at that time. But they still wanted to assert that power. And just to, as, a, as a thing of revenge to the, the, my, my ex, I made him go into like a conversion ceremony <laughs> not a ceremony but a, a talk and he did it uh and it was terrible for me and i'm just i'm just recalling back on all the all the reasons why i i really should have i feel like it could have all this pain could have been avoided if i loved myself but then i don't want to dwell on that because i'm thinking okay i learned so much from this marriage bless his heart my ex is very adaptable you know very supportive despite i think he was just very young and, and stupid and naive and so was i and uh, here we none of none of us knew what the hell we were doing we didn't we really didn't know and we still managed to make it work and i love him for teaching me how to love for being supportive for helping me grow um so no matter what happened, I think I have the most admiration from him, for him. And unfortunately, he never grew up, right? He always felt that way. And he even admitted to me that, oh, I don't, I don't feel married, you know, because ever since that whole cohabitation thing, I think it took all the romance out of him. So both of us were in a different state of mind. I felt like, yeah, I'm married. I'm going to be the best wife ever. And I gave everything. I gave him my all. And then here he was thinking, oh, shit. I'm married. Uh, I'm, I'm only 21. Uh, I have to support her now because she's looking for a job. So he felt a little pressure. And, you know, eventually, and he, this topic kept coming over, coming up where he said, I never felt like I grew up. I never felt like I had a chance to grow up. And, and eventually we talked about finally for him to separate and get his time. And I was very supportive and I always encouraged it. And I remember we went out to dinner once to one of our favorite restaurants. And he said, I think I'm ready now. And I had to just go to the washroom, cry, and then come back with a brave face and say, I'm so happy for you. You know what, you're gonna, you're gonna do it. You need to grow up. And 
and it was very challenging. Oh my gosh, it was very challenging. Um, so it took for us as well a few years to finally get the divorce finalized. Um, and when we did, I think it would have been our 10th anniversary, but, but it was very challenging. And I think, I think for me, it's, it's cause I think the, the universe, you know, as everyone does thinks that it centers is revolves around them. So a lot of times we forget to think from the other person's perspective, but I do it too much. I think from the other person's perspective so much that I forget that I'm part of it. Mm -hmm. So I was the supportive person that really, I feel like I did everything even after we separated to help him, to help him grow. And I think the thing that got me the most was we never even celebrated a wedding. I mean, I don't ask for much, but I think, I think it would have been kind of cool to have a wedding, to celebrate a union. And I never got that, but I did experience divorce <laughs> and the pain of it all and the family drama. So I, I just, I, there was so much resentment on my end thinking that, you know what, I, 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 I deserve better. And that didn't come up later until I think I, I, I met my ex, my second ex, uh, who, help me grow and help me accept myself and help me with a lot of self-confidence issues. And uh, again, bless his heart. Um, I absolutely, I think I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I love and adore my exes. Um, I'm kind of going uh, through a, a bit of a uh, rough spot with my, my first ex, but I just want things to be resolved. And, and anyway, so for me, it took me so long to come to that point where I said to myself, I deserve better. And I think it only came after um, my second ex, my relationship ended. And to this day, that my second ex is like my best friend. Um, you know, he's, he's an amazing guy. And I still like, if I ran into my, uh, my ex-husband, I wouldn't be sad. But I think what I'm dealing with is as a person of a very particular nature and a planner and organizer, someone who, who knows, who maps out their life, you know, when this is downside of being that kind of personality, when things don't go your way, <laughs> you have a hard time accepting, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> you can't plan everything or, or logic doesn't work all the time. Um, anyway, I felt like I said so much, uh, you should have cut me off. But, but no, to me, no, that was great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, this is what loss will do to us, of course. I think we all fall into the trap. I don't think any of us are really fallible when loss will make us question ourselves and our own value and our own worth in one way or another. We put it all on ourselves and say, well, if I lost this, it's because I don't deserve it. Um, if someone walked out of my life, it's because they see something in me they don't want to be around. We immediately put it all in ourselves and it takes us a long time to get out of that funk. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier is that loss happens to everybody. We all go through it and it's human to mm -hmm. feel that way. But at the same time, loss doesn't mean that we're bad people. It doesn't mean that we didn't deserve something. Mm -hmm. It's just part of life. And the quicker that we can gain some clarity with our vision of self-worth, the better a chance we have at recovering. Yeah. Yeah, we always have a yeah. yeah, we always have a reason for healing. We always yeah. have a reason for healing, right? Yeah. Sometimes we can't always see it right away. 
And again, this is where we can lean on others because again, not to sound like a broken record, um, but we've all been through it. People get it. They understand. Uh, we're not isolated in that. I was just going to say, you kind of alluded to um, not regretting your past relationship. Yeah. And, and that's really important is a lot of times we'll say, oh my God, I wish I never met that person. I never <laughs> yeah. did this. I never did that. And it's always so important to look back and say that these are the things that help us to learn and to grow and to become yeah. the people who we are today. We can't go through life having everything be perfect. Yeah. Um, we have to go through the tough times and rather than regret them, take something from them. take knowledge, take learning, take growth yep. and let it help us for next time. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no. I was just agreeing. Um, just agreeing. Going, yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, I, I, the learning and the growth and, and it's just part of life. It's part of, I think the more we understand that, you know, uh, again, the, one of the four tenets of Buddhism, like life is suffering, right? <laughs> it's like, boom, it is. So if you're thinking the things are going to be perfect, good luck. You're going to have the most yeah. chaotic life ever because yeah. you're going to have these deluded expectations of what it's supposed to be. And actually, let me um, take this into relationships now. People often, people do have deluded expectations of relationship. We all do. I know I did, you know, that everything is going to be perfect. Everything is going to be great. And sometimes I feel like the minute you have a challenge or a fight, people give up or you have a tendency to now say, cause you know, we're in Tinder culture where we can order people like we order our Uber eats meal. Right. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be like, well, you know, I've got like five other people online. I don't think this is going to work, you know, but to understand that all relationships are going to have an incredible amount of conflict, which ultimately, as you put it, will be an opportunity for growth and learning and that's what makes us human because we evolve mm -hmm. and we learn from those conflicts. And part of relationship is to manage the conflicts. I mean, we all have our deal breakers, right? Things that we'll say, okay, you know what? Now we have to part ways. But mm -hmm. I really, I don't, I don't regret at all um, my relationship. And, and I know when I was telling the story, I was like, red flag number one, red flag number 210. <laughs> but, but still, I think... I don't have any regrets, any regrets about marrying this person, meeting this person, knowing this person in my life. But I'm coming from a place now where it's, it, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of love for this person. And I think the hardest part for me is, I think it's for everybody, right? When you see them move on and you see other people move on and, and you're oh, like, yeah. do I need to see this? <laughs> how, do I, how do I deal with this? Because those yeah. feelings keep coming back. Well, why weren't you like this when you were with me? But the thing mm. was, they grew. They grew up. Yeah. So it's like telling someone to say, how come you're not like the same person you were in high school? Yeah. yeah. Like, how ridiculous does that sound, right? So Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I'm the same way. I, I don't regret, uh, you know, uh, my marriage uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I regret that it ended, of course, because, you know, as I said to you earlier, the fact that it ended is reality. Mm -hmm. And I regret what happened that caused it to end. Mm -hmm. But I don't regret the relationship at all. Um, you know, we had a great time together. We got along really great. We, I don't even think we ever really fought. We had arguments, but we never actually had fought, fights. Mm -hmm. um, 
And we could just hang out together as friends. You know, we could be lovers. We could be everything, partners. And we had a great time. We had a lot of great uh, memories together. And I and I look back at those fondly. So even though, of course, you're never happy when a marriage ends. But at the same time, a lot of great stuff came out of it. Not only during the marriage, but even afterwards. Again, we're talking about growth. We're talking about seeing self-worth. We're talking about being more aware of what we want in life, but also what we need to do to be better. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, no regrets. I like that. Um, and you, you mentioned something before about support networks too. And, and I know we were talking about this earlier. It's so, so important to have a good support network. Um, in helping us, you know, realizing and evolving with the growth. I think our minds are at a dangerous place when we we're, we're low, right? It, it takes, it takes getting another perspective, getting wisdom from the amount of people around us, having a sense of community. And some people are fortunate to have that, right? And they take it for granted because it's so automated in their life. But if you don't have that, if you don't have that sense of community by whether it's by family, by religion, culture, by whatever teams and like, what do you do? I, I mean, where do you, how do you start that sense of community? And I know for me, it, 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 it took a while and, it, and, it, and, you know, it was once I started becoming part of other communities and looking at people and realizing, hey, I'm not the only one who, who, who got, who got, who's gone through these things. Uh, it it helped me grow, but not just realizing that I'm not the only one, but also uh, discovering myself and committing to and being surrounded by people and enjoying life, right? So I think that sense of community is, is so important in helping us move on from, from any kind of loss, whether it's marriage, whether it's romantic, right? If you, you could be with a partner, again, you don't have to be married to experience this kind of loss or there any kind of relationship. So how did you how did you deal with that with regards to community? Because I know your family's away. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. I, I have no family in the area. Um, so at that time, when I was first going through it, I was very fortunate um, that I had a couple of really close friends who I was communicating with, and they were just wonderful. Uh, especially one because she actually got separated earlier in the year, and so she knew what I was going through. She knew what it, what it was, what it was like. And so she and I spent a lot of hanging out time, um, over those first, you know, few months that I was separated. Uh, you know, she made sure that I had, um, a friend that I could turn to that I got away from the house, um, did different things, met new people. And she was just super understanding and, and just really, really terrific. And um, I was very fortunate that I had uh, a couple of friends here in Toronto. Um, I have a, a wonderful friend in Windsor who I've known for you know, 35 years now. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so uh, I, I was very lucky that way. And right now we are living in a time where it's a lot easier to get a support network going because mm -hmm. a couple of reasons. Number one, we have so many online resources now. Right. right. There's so many support systems out there that we can find through online services, two on one, what have you. We can do it through, you know, uh, this sort of forum. We can do it on the phone. We can do it in person. But also, if we go back 
you know, years and years and years, these are the kinds of things that people generally used to hold close to their chest. They didn't disclose as much. We're now in a more open society where people are free to become more vulnerable and share their personal stories and reach out for help. And there's more support in that. Whereas many, many years ago, there wasn't always that support or that freedom to say what's on your chest. You keep it to yourself. You keep it within the family, uh, within the household. And that's a lot to live with. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get support that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there are a lot more options towards that sort of thing. So uh, even if you don't know anybody in the city, you have no family, you have no friends, there are support groups around there. I reached out to a support group at that time, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was recommended to me and I, I kind of balked at it. I said, nah, I don't want to get in, you know, hello, my name is, you know, and all this sort of thing. <laughs> but then I thought about it and I thought, you know, I was doing pretty good, but I needed one last thing to get me over the hump. Mm-hmm. And so I called 211 and uh, they directed me to this um, support group for divorced people or separated people. And it was once a week for, I think, 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, it was great. It was, it was terrific to be around other people who were going through it, who could understand and hear different stories and uh, just get out, get out of the house, yeah. get around other people and not feel pressured to tell my story if I didn't feel it. Hmm. And um, so for me, it was a combination of um, friends in the area and uh, that support group at the end. Uh, and then again, my family was there distance, you know, by phone mm-hmm. or by Skype. Um, but they weren't actually here, which was hard because I couldn't exactly just go over to their house for dinner one night and yeah. you know, hang out with my, 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 uh, my insane family. <laughs> Things I take for granted. I'm, I'm a short bus ride away. They're, they're away, but I still, I love just visiting and, and having that support mm-hmm. still there, even if it's not the best support, <laughs> to just have dinner with them and <laughs> have a good time. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's great because it's, it's such a great distraction. You feel the warmth of other people around you. You feel not yeah. so alone. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, that will do wonders for us. Yeah. And our our self-worth as well. Of course. In the end, people I mean, want to spend time with me. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a battle. Uh, it keeps coming to the same thing. It's self-worth. It's understanding that uh, I deserve love. I deserve happiness. And if I chose to part ways or if they chose to part ways, then, then I need to look out for me and understand that I, I'm not no. responsible for, for the loss or for the, conflict we all will always blame ourselves again many things first not realizing sometimes the impermanence of things or the finality of things but also understanding that these challenges will help us grow but lastly just coming from a state of pure self-love and saying okay well i can you know i i, I get i gotta look out and and reach out to people who make me feel good about myself who who and then surround myself with them and eventually come to the place where I think, you know what, it's not that it's everyone's horrible out there or my destiny is screwed. It's, it's I'm in charge. If I love myself, I can create the reality that I want. And it starts with self-love, really. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. And in a way, uh, we also want to avoid not only a lack of self-love, but we also want to avoid the opposite of that, and that's outer resentment. Mm. Because sometimes we'll go through a situation like this and we'll resent everybody else, and it's everybody else's fault. 
And, <laughs> right. um, and that's very dangerous. Um, you know, what happened with my marriage? I mean, it would have been easy for me to resent this person. Um, but I never did. I resented what happened, mm -hmm. but I got over it. And to this day, I would never say, uh, you know, I, I, I won't say anything bad about my ex. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I was hurt and everything like that, you know, it's okay, I'm over that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have no resentment towards her, you know, and I recognize that I also don't resent myself for what <laughs> yeah. happened. I don't resent her. I don't resent anybody. Uh, it's a situation that happened. It's part of life. It was hard to get over for sure. But now I can look at it and say, it's okay. Yeah. It's a very healthy place to be. Very healthy and, and an inspirational place too, I'm sure, for others that are struggling or to know that, that you can get, it is possible to get to a place like that. And, and, and I think coming from you, oh my goodness, like you've known your ex for since you were kids. And I can only yeah. imagine the immensity, the, the strength of that relationship. And for you to be in this position says, says so many things about your character and, and your resilience and learn from them and grow from them. Because right now you sound, you sound content, you sound accepting and, and minus all the resentment. I can't not, what's the opposite? <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Words. I mean, it, you're right. It was a, uh, you know, it was a double blow because I didn't just lose my wife at the time. I lost my best friend going back to, as you said, when we were little, 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 little itty bitty child, you know, I mean, I don't know if we were three or four or five, but uh, that's, you know, we go that far back. And um, so in a way I felt, oh my God, I've lost my best friend from childhood too. But then, you know, I realized, well, no, what happened now is not going to taint what happened then. And then as time went on, nothing taints anything. You know, um, I still, like I said earlier, I look back on our marriage with fondness, had a lot of wonderful memories, uh, a lot of great memories. And uh, again, our friendship as well, no regrets there either. Yeah, we didn't have the Hollywood ending, but we had a hell of a story. Yeah, these kinds of stories should be talked about more. Uh, they need to become more mainstream or, or at least normalized because the expectations that we often hold on to come from these deluded fantasies uh, or, or or creative minds of, of these producers and directors. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to bash Hollywood. I'm not anti-Hollywood, but but this is a work of art, right? But but we, t I feel like we underestimate how much what we consume affects our reality and the standards we create. Mm -hmm. So our expectation of love is very, very interesting because it's a completely different picture. But I don't think Hollywood comes even close to grasping the intricacies or, or the nuances or, or the tragedies of, of love, the realities of love as it is. Mm -hmm. And if, and if, if only we had something like that to look onto, perhaps our expectations could be tempered a bit. And I think that's a fantastic way of describing every relationship as a work of art. I love that. I love what you said, because it's true. Every relationship truly is a work of art. Mm -hmm. um, except instead of having one painter, you've got two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <there's laughs> two it's fantastic. Realities. I love that. Yeah. What a great way of putting that.
Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to share not just the struggle, but how you overcame that. Um, just to revise, I mean, I think the, some of the themes are self-love, uh, learning, looking at the opportunity as for growth to add to our enriching experience in life and and support network. Uh, both of us uh, sought that by different means. I had friends. I actually ended up, uh, I, for 10 years, I was holding off joining improv. And <laughs> I've always wanted to do improv. Um, and, and I finally did. I, I finally went to Second City and I and I took all the courses and, and I graduated from their program. So mm -hmm. it was, and you know a thing or two about that. <laughs> yes, I do know a thing or two about that. <laughs> I think yeah, I dragged I, you into it. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't you didn't drag me because uh, I don't do anything unless I want to. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think that was fabulous. You know, and, and you were incredible in improv, and I, 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 you should keep doing it. I'm going to give you the uh, patented sauna point. <laughs> <laughs> Pointing at me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I thank uh, you. But, thank you. Yeah, you're, no, honestly, and you know, in all honesty, but it, it's been my pleasure to, to be a part of this and to to share my story. Hopefully, people will get something from it, um, and uh, also, at the very least, at least I probably made pe a lot of people Google Happy Days now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is that old man talking about? Happy days. <laughs> Yeah, and Rosa Coletti, and yeah, the whole thing. Happy Days is mentioned so much in pop culture, even like even yeah. now. Like, so it's I think you know you're doing us a favor. It's an education, you know. It's yeah. like now you're gonna get it. So if people Google and read up about it, maybe they'll get more references that are thrown out at them. Exactly, exactly. But uh, <laughs> I, I really do hope that what we've talked about today has been of help to people, and 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 more than anything, just reminds everyone that um, none of us are alone. Yeah. You know, we all are going through the same things in this life, in this world. Um, it's human emotion to feel sad over loss, uh, but it's also just as important to grow from it and learn from it and to rebound from it. Mm -hmm. True, absolutely. I'm sorry, your volume was cutting off, so. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it better, actually. Uh, I know I just threw, threw in Second City, but quickly wanted to say for me, some of the coping mechanisms were, again, seeking support from friends, looking after me and th the things, looking at the things that made me resentful. Actually, my friend had, is very logical and he helped me so beautifully. And I remember I was feeling absolutely terrible. Like, I mean, really bad. And I'm a highly sensitive person. So, oh my goodness, for me, it's so hard I feel very deeply. So this friend then helped me and uh, this is my best friend actually. So I remember him saying, so what makes you feel that way? Like, why are you, what emotions come up? What are you thinking when, when you go to this dark place? And I said, well, you know, I always wanted to travel. I wanted to be out and, and, and explore and have adventures with my lover. And it never did that. I waited my whole life to have the freedom to do that. And I still didn't do it because my ex I think he was going through his own depression, which he struggles with. And But lo, I'm here now. I feel like I'm just not, I don't deserve it. And he said, okay, well, why don't we do something about that? <laughs> so you want to travel? Where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. I want to go to some, this, this place. All right, let's book a vacation. Let's do it. And I could not believe it was that simple. It was that simple. And I started traveling with my friends. 
I started like I just started to go on these these trips and and having road trips and and again looking at what I wanted to do well what was I holding off on joining Second City you know kicking ass there and and just being me and and understanding that hey I'm this I have my own individuality <laughs> that I if I wanted something I could get it if I wanted to travel I didn't have to wait for for a person to to take me away and whisk me off my feet and this this is partly due to the cultural expectations that were created goodness yes, those course. are harmful um yeah. but but just to take ownership of my own happiness and to say oh you know what I can accomplish a lot of those I'm doing air quotes, romantic things that we often think of. I can yeah. do those with my friends. Like I could go out, you don't have to go on a long walk on the beach. You can do that with a group of people. You can have a trip here and you can experience and learn and grow with people that are all around us. And I don't think uh, it, you need to be in the cult of a relation, <laughs> not cult, I, I'm using it as a joke, but you don't have to yeah. be bond, you know, have a relationship to experience that, you know, they're, we can experience a lot of things with everyone around us. And it's us that decide to put an end to that reality when we think that we've lost our relationship, boom, all of our experience are lost. Therefore, I don't deserve that happiness. So, so that yeah. was, anyway, in terms of coping, in terms of what worked, that was something that I wanted to just add to that. Well, that's fantastic because I think that says a lot about you um, in return here because you had this amazing friend that, rather than um, said, here's my crying shoulder, just said, <laughs> okay, let's get out and do something. And basically <laughs> yes. kicked your butt. And <laughs> yeah. the fact is you responded to that. You know, you were strong enough and ready enough and willing enough to do that rather than say, hey, what kind of friend are you? I just need to cry. Just <laughs> let, me, let me sob for a while. Let me feel um, sorry for myself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you jumped right into that and you responded to it. And I think that says a lot about you, uh, that you. you were willing to do that and, and to be open to that. And yeah, you did kick butt at, uh, at Second City. You were fantastic, amazing, incredible. Thank um, you. <laughs> I enjoyed every moment I watched you. And, uh, <laughs> and I did and too. So... You were great. <laughs> not just <laughs> well, saying I... that, not just returning <laughs> the compliment. I know it came at a bad time. I shouldn't have said it yeah. now. But my friend, you were very talented. We need to do Thank maybe you. a podcast just about our experiences on Second City. I think so. We had a, we had a really great time, uh, except for Level B. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry. That's another story. I altogether. love level B. <laughs> I think it was yeah. the only one who did. <laughs> I think you were. I think you were. So I'm glad I'm not alone on my end, but I'm sorry that you're alone on your end. Hey, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But that, that was a lot of fun. It really was. And uh, I, I really was so happy we had that dinner where, you know, you brought it out for me. I give credit to you. You said, what are the things, you know, that you want to do that are going to make you happy? And for whatever reason, I squeaked out, well, I always wanted to do improv. And then you went, yes, let's do it. And so it's like, oh, okay, this is happening. You happened to mention the one thing that I was on my list for maybe 10 yeah. years. And I couldn't yeah. believe you said it. And I'm like, well, yeah. you said it. Yeah. And that's the thing. It was on my list for, uh, for a, quite a number of years, too. And, uh, you know, whatever made me say it, I don't know, I give credit to you for making me feel comfortable to expose myself that way. But boy, did you jump on that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's your friends before. <laughs> you bet, you bet. <laughs> so thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you so much. I couldn't be happier with, uh, it, it's such a 
honor to have you. Um, and I and I know everyone that I talk to in, in these podcasts, I'm, I admire, I revere, I admire the hell out of all these people. So thank you. And you you happen to be one of those individuals in my life oh. that I I find that you're so true to yourself. You're authentic and 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 just seeing you blossom at improv seeing that side of you oh my goodness you, people you have fans my friend you have fans um every friend that i talk to from from improv we all remember you um and we have great things to say so i think it's oh, it's, that's it's so an, nice <laughs> it's an honor I, you know i don't you know i don't you know i don't think myself that way i just think oh my god i was horrible but it's so nice to, to know that you and other people think otherwise so. Yeah, yeah, not sugarcoating it because otherwise I wouldn't have said anything at all. I would have just I know been that. silent. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're authentic too, and I, I believe you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for joining. Uh, what a wonderful talk. And I love our chats, and, and I, I look mm. forward to having more. Um, mm -hmm. And today, uh, I know we're, we're going to touch on, you know, happiness culture. We're gonna, I think there's, there's a number of topics. I've written them down. So we're mm -hmm. going to talk about them. But but once again, uh, love and loss, we shared our struggles with divorce. Uh, in this case, we talked specifically on, on the, the, the relationship of marriage and, and losing uh, a relationship. It doesn't have to be marriage, but just losing a partnership. In, in our case, we happen to be married, both of us, uh, and how we moved on past that. So the important part is how it helped us grow as people and, and the strategies that we both employed and our perspectives and who we are today. And um, so once again, uh, you can find this podcast on my website, www.artisana.com, A-A-R-T-Y-S-A-N-A.com. Uh, under the podcast section, you'll see an individual post and you can click and listen. Um, similarly, you can opt access them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts under the title Sana Talks to Her... No, Sana Talks to People <laughs> under the title. See, I'm going to say Sana Talks to Herself. Is this me like looking back thinking that I talk too much in my podcast? Anyway, um, Sana under the title Sana Talks to People and Sometimes Herself. And thank you. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Sana. You know, I think the world of you, and this has been a, a really great time. And thank you so much for this opportunity. You're very welcome. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>